Hello, today on Search for Truth, your Bible teaching program with our Bible teacher Brian Johnson, we look at the origin of biodiversity. The number of different varieties of plant and animal species is absolutely amazing. Let's take an example. The exact number of fish species worldwide is unknown, as it's believed that some species may not yet have been discovered. However, Scientists estimate that the total number of fish species in the world is approximately 33,600. So, how can we explain the vast variety of species of the animal kingdom alone, including mankind? In this series of talks, Brian discusses incredible unbelief when believing in nothing means believing in anything. It's study number four today, and the subtitle is The Origin of Biodiversity. So now let's go to Brian. Thanks, John. There are at least five major times when those who don't believe in God are forced instead to believe in magic, in the sense of believing in events without any sufficient explanation or cause for those events, that could therefore be styled as miraculous events. So far, we've looked at the origin of the universe, the origin of stars in particular, and the origin of life itself. Let's now think about something we hear a lot about today. I'm referring to biodiversity, that is, the diversity of life and how it might have come about. The difference in the genetic makeup of humans and chimps was once said to be only 1% but it's now estimated as much higher than that, perhaps showing a 20% difference or even a 30% difference, depending on how you measure it. Diversity of life on our planet is genuinely a huge problem for some theories of origins. How did a microbe change itself into every living thing on Earth, ranging from earwigs to elephants and from mites to mango trees? Mutations, combined with natural selection, have been said to explain this diversity of life. However, with our modern knowledge of living things, this now would appear more and more hopeless as an explanation. But of course, please don't take my word for that. In July 2008, 16 high-profile evolutionists met by invitation in Altenburg, Austria. They'd come together because they realised that mutations and natural selection did not explain the diversity of life, and so they'd come together to discuss what for them was a crisis. The recent publication of the actual human and chimp DNA sequences finally made possible a more realistic comparison than the earlier ones that previously estimated there was only a genetic difference of about 1%. And yet, the 1% myth is still being perpetuated, for example, in a 2012 science journal. Illustrating how wrong this figure of a 1% only difference is, in that same year of 2012, Other scientists reviewed the published studies comparing human and chimp DNA. And when all the DNA is taken into account, and not just pre-selected parts, they found, quoting, it is safe to conclude that human-chimp genome similarity 
is not more than about 87% identical and possibly not higher than 81%. In other words, forget 1%, the differences are possibly greater than 19%. Indeed, one of the specialists involved in that same study made his own thorough comparison and found the difference to be about 30%. It's useful to have some idea of what's going on here. Comparing the genetic makeup of chimps and humans involves making assumptions, such as about the importance of various parts of the DNA. For example, what do you do with human genes that are absent from chimps, and vice versa? The tendency has been to ignore them and only compare the similar genes. There again, many comparisons have involved only the genes involved in the production of proteins, which is only about 1.2% of the DNA. But this assumes that the rest of the DNA is somehow not important, or might even be regarded as junk DNA. However, it's now becoming realised that almost all, if not all, DNA probably has a function. This is one major reason why earlier studies had overemphasised the similarity between chimps and humans. We humans are certainly not 99% identical with chimps. Nothing like it. In any case, let's realise that there's actually a much more basic question. What does any percentage of similarity prove anyway? Does it indicate common ancestry? Or does it suggest common design? The answer to that is going to depend on the researcher's worldview. And of course, results of studies are always interpreted in accordance with the framework of the experimenter. In understanding the implications of the data here, we're not dealing with hard science that can be shown by experiments, but only interpretations based on different worldviews. What we can all agree on is this. The larger the actual genetic difference between apes and humans, the bigger the problem in trying to explain this in terms of time and chance alone. And as our knowledge grows, that gap is definitely growing. And yet the myth of similarity persists. The reason for this, as we've hinted, would not appear to be scientific, but more to do with the researcher's underlying worldview. The myth of similarity will tend to be held onto by those who look to support the claim that humans have no special place in the world, and even that chimps should be granted human rights. The recent re-evaluation of what's now thought to be the real position is much more consistent with humans having been created quite separately from the animals, which agrees with the New Testament of the Bible, where the Apostle Paul says, All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one flesh of mankind, another flesh of animals, another flesh of birds, and another of fish. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 39. A straightforward reading of the opening chapters of Genesis leaves no doubt that we are engaging with Hebrew narrative, and not Hebrew in its poetry form. The Bible's first book tells us plainly that Adam was not made from, nor did he come from, any pre-existing living creatures. Rather, it actually says that he was made directly from the dust. 
Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. In this way, man is made in the image of God, and is different from the animals. Opinions and speculations abound, of course, but if we take the Bible at all seriously, surely we'd want to weigh the precise meaning of man being formed from the dust of the ground alongside Genesis chapter 3 verse 19, which states, Till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Our decay back to dust at death is not a poetic description, but it is sober reality. This leaves us with no choice over how to understand the Bible's meaning about human origins. The texts in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 and chapter 3 verse 19 taken together plainly mean Adam was made from actual dust in the first place and not from a pre-existing creature. God made the first man from dust and the first woman from his rib, not from any ape-like creature. And humans, unlike other creatures, were made in the image of God. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 and 27 made as a special creation. This image, the image of God in humanity, was not lost but was marred when our first parents rebelled against God their creator as we can read in the Bible narrative of Genesis chapter 3. According to the Bible's account, God made humans with a special purpose, both for now and in eternity. Without God in the frame, there's no sufficient explanation or cause for the diversity of life. Biodiversity becomes an unexplained miracle And we should register the undisputed fact that buried deep down in the record of rock layers covering our planet, there's a point where all major types of all life forms are suddenly represented. Genesis chapter 1 tells us that God, the all-powerful, all-knowing creator, made the various kinds of life to reproduce after their kind. Here, is a sufficient cause for the biodiversity we witness around us in the world today. The Bible's description of the nature of living things being to reproduce according to each kind has been confirmed with every witness reproductive event, and also in the fossil record, where the so-called missing links are, as the name suggests, missing. Why do intelligent people resort to believing in magic, uncaused events, Romans 1 and verse 21 in the Bible says that when people deny that the Creator God exists, they end up with futile thinking. Geneticist Richard Lewontin admits that when leaving God out of the picture, those who take the side of a purely natural worldview do so, quotes, in spite of the patent absurdity of some of its constructs.
I hope you enjoyed today's study talk and I'd like to remind you there's a transcript book of all the talks in this series together with supplementary material which would be helpful if you want to pursue further study. So please let me remind you how you can freely receive a copy. Firstly, it's available online. You can obtain a copy by downloading it from churchesofgod.info forward slash media. Alternatively, you can write to us and request a hard copy book be posted to you. Just ask for the title Incredible Unbelief and don't forget to include your postal address so we know where to send it. You can use email or the post and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN4 8DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. We've just a couple of minutes left to say many thanks indeed for the pleasure and privilege of your company today. Next week we continue this series with a talk called The Origin of Mind and Morality. So, do join us if you can, same time next week. But for now it's goodbye and very best wishes from Bible teacher Brian, our producer David, our singers and me, John. So see you again soon and in the meantime we wish you God's richest blessings.